Hi, I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-Minute Parenting series of books. Welcome to the 15-Minute Parenting Podcast, where each episode is 15 minutes long and deals with a common parenting issue using therapeutic play as a solution. Let's get going. Hi, and welcome to this special episode where I'm focusing on the impact of COVID-19 on families, on the parent-child relationship. Over the course of this lockdown period and gradually as we begin to transition out of that, I am inundated with questions, queries, worries, social media messages, emails from all of you parents who are understandably anxious and concerned about what impact this has already had on your children or what it might have as we begin to move forward. And I just want to break down some of the questions that have been coming in to me because I think there was a theme going through those and that theme was parental anxiety. And that anxiety comes from such a good place. We all just want to know, is my child okay? Are they going to be okay through this? One of the biggest questions I've been asked is about social distancing. And it's it's in two ways. Is social distancing going to damage our children and how do we explain it to them without compromising the quality of their development and the quality of their relationships? And I'm going to answer that first by saying a little yes and a little no. Social distancing is going to have a greater impact on some children rather than others. And what I mean by that is that the children who are under seven years old are probably, and with rare exception, going to come out of this fairly okay. The reason for that is that children who are under seven years old take their cues, their emotional lead, their guidance, the reference point they always go back to is their parents. Us parents are the ones our children who are under seven years old need, rely and turn to. This is also key attachment formation time and it is the the nub of growth and development is the parent-child relationship at that stage. So this increased time with parents and with siblings will largely have benefited our under seven-year-old children so long as it doesn't go on any longer than this. And I think that's a really important caveat. If this was to go on longer than this three to six months, I would be concerned about even young children's development. But right now there can be pro-social benefits for them from this increased time with parents and siblings and all of the social and emotional growth and, and time that that will have given. Now, the difference for me comes in when we start looking at middle childhood and early teenage years. So I'm really talking about eight years old, right up to 15 years old. That age group, I think we are going to see an impact. I think the social distancing struggle for that age group is more significant. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Starting in middle childhood and increasing in our teens teen years, those early years, peer group becomes more important as a hub of social development than immediate family. You know this well if you're parenting in that age group, it's where they begin to turn away from you and turn towards their peers as a source of stimulus, as a reference point and where they begin to prioritise their relationships outside of the family. At this age of 8 to 15 years, our children turn to their peer group more than they do to us in order to develop 
social and emotional skills, to invest and expand their belief formation, their understanding of themselves and how others perceive them. They begin to look inwards of who am I, developing that sense of self, as well as an awareness of the world and other people outside of them. They are really deepening that awareness and they do that in relation and inspired by and with reference to their peer group more than us, their parents. At the moment, and due to social distancing and the isolation and lockdown, they're really being denied an opportunity for this at what is peak brain development for them. And yes, if this goes on longer than three to six months that we've had, then it is likely to be impactful on their emotional well-being. And that is something that we need to be aware of. I think as well, and I'm hearing this a lot from all of you who've been in touch with me, is that loneliness is a concern that we have for our children without access to their peers are they lonely and yes we've used technology very creatively and that's appropriate we've been able to have virtual play dates and zoom classrooms and contact and video calling with grandparents and all of that and that's been great but virtual interactions are fine as a short-term solution but they cannot possibly be a long-term substitute for what is intersubjective connection that is that in real life person-to-person relational connection where my eyes lock and meet with your eyes my facial muscles are aligned with yours we are in person connected in the now moment so that when I say or do something I get to see live how are you experiencing me and what I'm doing and what I'm saying and I have a choice to interpret that and change what I'm doing or saying to elicit a different response from you and that's the essence of social engagement and while virtual interaction can supplement what's missing at the moment it cannot fully replace that and that is a concern if this goes on much longer at the moment as parents we are being called upon to do more to be more active in our children's world we are not only their parents but we're also their teachers and their playmates and that is really really difficult and at the heart of it it's largely because we know that pure friendships cannot be fully replicated at home by us parents and it's very frustrating to be in a place of knowing I'm just not enough for them right now. I would like to just go back and reassure you that most children will adapt and readjust very very well once things begin to get back to normal once schools reopen extracurricular activities and opportunities to interact with their peers when they begin to return to that you will see them return to themselves i would anticipate you know some mild to moderate level of emotional and behavioral regression and what that means is they might return to behaviors that you haven't seen in a really long time and we need to be patient tolerant about that we need to practice acceptance and empathy accept that this is what they need right now and empathize with the struggle that they're having so if your nine-year-old suddenly begins to behave emotionally like they did when they were six you parent them like you would a six-year-old for the period of time they need that We're talking about six to eight weeks. It really shouldn't go on for most children longer than that. I keep saying for most children because I do need to bear in mind, as we all do, that for some children, this lockdown period has been particularly challenging. For some children, home is not their safe place. Perhaps school and the outside world was their sanctuary. The adults outside of their family were who they relied on as an emotional, secure base and safe haven. And those children might take longer and need more 
emotional supports as they begin to adapt and readjust. And that's incumbent on all of us to be aware of and to make provision for those children and their needs. But for most children, we are looking to replace those opportunities for new experiences and discovery as best we can within the parent-child relationship at home. And how you do that is through opportunity for interactive play. And this is a great way to get our children used to engaging and interacting with others while abiding by social distancing. So you're going to use games and activities that have that inherently built in. You might stand, you know, two meters apart from each other and play mirrors. So silently they have to look at you and copy everything that you do but you can easily do that from a distance do it standing up and make the movements big so there's a bit of movement physical movement and jumping around from side to side because that's also going to help with regulation you can move from a game of mirrors where you're flapping your arms jumping side to side turning around and you can then move into eye signals in this activity you can still stand apart but you must lock your eyes and your gaze together because you're head is not going to move just your eyes if your eyes move to the right your child jumps in that direction if your eyes move to the left your child jumps in that direction if you blink your eyes really quickly they turn around in a circle once if you look upwards they can jump forward if you look down they jump back and this really calls upon high engagement level they've got to really tune into you without being too close, without touching you, you're building that connection and that capacity. Those types of games are really useful right now. I think as well, and this is coming up a lot, is about screen time. And I'm getting tons of messages from parents who are filled with guilt about over-relying on screen time, the amount of screen time that our children are getting. And I'm going to ask you to take a deep breath and exhale and give yourself a break. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. So there are ways that you can modulate some of the impact that increased screen time is going to have though. And one of those is to create a movie scavenger hunt. For this, you're going to play the movie because you need that block of time to maybe do a work call or get something done. But you're going to give your child or children a list of household items and a pencil. And as they watch their movie, they have to tick off those items on the list as they spot them in the movie. It stops them becoming virtually overstimulated. It keeps them engaged in the now moment and it makes it a more interesting activity because at the end you can come in and say okay let's compare our lists what did you see where did you see it and see who got what and who's missing what and how much fun they had doing it then you could sit and do a reflective piece on what they've been watching by playing the director game and saying okay so you've just watched this movie what was the best bit about it and what bit would you like to change if you were director of this movie and you could yell cut and deliver delete a scene what scene would you delete and what would you put in instead and how would that new scene change the outcome of the movie that sounds so interesting let's draw out that new scene that you've just created and you're now making it a much more engaging activity and offsetting the potential damage that too much screen time can do on our kids in terms of overstimulating them affecting their behavior and making it hard for them to come back into that person-to-person piece at the end it is a creative solution to something that you really do need to rely on at this moment. The other question that's coming up a lot for me is about anxiety. 
anxiety about, you know, should we be talking to our children about this? Should we be encouraging them to talk about it? What if they ask about our people dying from COVID? How do we respond to that? Parents contacting me saying that they're worried their children might be becoming obsessional about germs, about hand washing. And others who are saying, look, I don't know how to deal with the mask issue. My child's really afraid of them. And even if they don't have to wear the masks, let's be honest, they do need to integrate it into their world because they're going to see a lot of people wearing masks. So anxiety tends to be a big one at this time. I'm going to go back and break some of that down because when it comes to hand washing, for example, if that's something you want to make more playful, more creative, try washing your hands together and singing a song so that the focus is on the singing, not just the washing. Because singing has that dual benefit, you're distracting from the washing and focusing on the song, but also singing helps to co-regulate an anxious brain. For children who are worried about masks, they're often fixated on the part of the face that the mask is concealing and they worry about what they cannot see, which makes complete sense. So one of the creative solutions for this is to try to draw their attention away from what they cannot see and to the parts of the face that they can see. So how I like to do this is through a game called Feeling Faces. And what you do is cover up from your nose down. You can do that with a piece of paper or you could use a mask. I would suggest starting with a piece of paper and building up to a mask and ask your child to guess what are you feeling by just looking at your eyes and you're going to use really expressive eyes to convey a range of emotion and then after they've had a go at doing that with you you're going to invite them to use their face and just do feeling faces with their eyes as well. The other thing I've done is taken, you know, characters that they really like, maybe from cartoons or books, print some pictures from the Internet and draw like coloring in pictures, I mean, and draw over those masks that they can color into. You can also download templates of coloring pages that have faces with masks and you can make that a fun activity. And then the third thing that I would suggest about masks that I have found really useful is to rummage in the back of the drawer. And we all have this experience and find those random single socks that have somehow lost their pair and that your child has outgrown now and fashion those into a mask for the teddy bears. There is a YouTube tutorial for everything and there is a way of turning a sock into a mask. I've done this for teddy bears and for the dollies and we've made a game out of it and found that this is really, really helpful for children to understand that masks go on, but there is a, a mouth or a face underneath it. You can take them off and that face is still there. And by making it playful, you are helping them to break down the mystery and the anxiety and integrate it as part of their new normal, their everyday life. And for the children who are worried about the entire issue and worry about it outside of context, because some worry is absolutely normal. But if you feel that your child is worrying over and above and are asking you lots and lots of questions about COVID-19, I'm going to ask you to resist that parental urge to minimize or dismiss their fears. Don't say, oh, don't worry about that. You don't need to be worried about that, because actually far from reassuring our children, when we dismiss their fears, we tell them that it's not okay to bring those worries to us. It doesn't mean they stop worrying. It means they stop thinking out loud and talking about it. And that's not what we do. In this context, protecting our children does not mean shielding them from the truth. What it does mean is trying to talk about it in a doing rather than saying way. And what I mean by that, as always, is to creatively approach it with a play-based solution. 
one of the things I like to do is role play at being news reporters. So our children are hearing the news, they're hearing things about this, they have been from the beginning. But if we put it into a role play situation where they're going to be the news reporter and you're going to be the expert witness. So they get to ask you all of their questions and you're going to answer them, but within the role play. It's much easier for them to integrate this and to imagine it and to make sense of it if done in this creative way. The other thing I think can help is to use your phone and record a news bulletin or a radio show or a report you're going to make yourselves where they're going to highlight the news of the day. And there might be some COVID related news, but there also has to be comments about weather, about sports, about fun things that have happened during their day. And it's a great way of redirecting them to stuff outside of COVID-19. What else is going on in their world and capturing that. Once you've recorded it, play it back together, enjoy it and have fun with that. This is a stressful time and some degree of worry and stress is totally normal for all of us, even our children. But always remember that play is the language of children. It's how they process and make sense of the events that are happening in their world, in their world at home, but also in the world outside and around them. That's why now more than ever, parent-child play is the solution that we're all looking for. I really hope that this has been helpful and has gone some way towards answering some of those questions and struggles that we are all experiencing at this time. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode useful, subscribe, share with a friend, give us a like, all of which helps people find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to come back next week for a new 15-minute parenting episode or check our archives for previous topics. You can find me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune. And between now and then, have fun.